Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. So, the start of NHL playoffs is not the story of the day in Calgary. Fans are still digesting the news that Brad Treliving will not return as general manager of the Calgary Flames. The organization announcing this morning that they are going their separate ways. Brad's contract due to expire June 30th. Thanks for tuning in to Just a Game, live from the Oodle Nudo studio in Marta Loop. I'm Cammie Kepke. Sorry to disappoint. Rob Kerr with uh, bigger hair and a worse attitude. Just a... Uh, keeping his seat warm this morning. I saw the comment in the chat. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Kersey not missing the show today because of the conflict with his GM interview, but he's going to join us in just a couple minutes here to uh, share his take, yell at some clouds, as one does. But back to Tree and the season-long soap opera that has been the Calgary Flame season. He had held the position for just about nine years. In the meantime, Don Maloney's going to take the reins. He's been promoted to president of Hockey Ops, also going to hold the position of in interim general manager, which, you know, kind of leads us to think that this isn't going to be a full-time position for him. Team says the search for the next GM going to begin immediately. Got to think Craig Conroy's in the mix there. Also makes you wonder if uh, Connie's going to uh, really take the reins. What does that mean for a potential Jerome Ginla appearance? Might be the only thing that could get fans uh, pumped at this point, but a press conference being held at the Saddle Dome right now. Our guy Danny Austin is down there. He'll be sending back some updates, then uh, ripping back to the studio or joining us over Zoom for the rest of the show. Lots of great guests on tap today. We're going to have Nick Lewis popping by with the Stamps training camp update. That's just about a month away. Meyer Bevan of Cavalry. FC all the way from Auckland coming in to talk all things CPL and the reignited Forge rivalry from this weekend. The CPL did have record attendance for the opening weekend of their fifth season. But back to the Flames, a fresh wave of nausea and a tough tough season hangover. Less than a year ago, people were taping True Living onto the back of their jerseys. It was the summer of Brad, but in the winding, head-scratching journey of this year, we've reached another fork in the road. It's given that everything in sports, especially the jobs, is temporary. Brad is a tremendous person, and he takes the time to get to know those around him, take care of the people on his team. And we all saw him talking about Chris Snow's battle at the trade deadline this year, but it leads you to think Brad's going to be okay. There's going to be an opportunity out there for him. You believe the Flames when they say this was a mutual decision. We've said for months that it felt like it had to be Tree or it had to be Daryl. One guy had the extension, the golden ticket, if you will, and one didn't. So Daryl's reign continues. The repercussions of this decision kind of remain to be seen. I've heard that player exit interviews have been a lot. We heard from Michael Backlund and Elias Lindholm saying they're keeping their options open with one year left on their deals. Could this move impact their negotiations this summer? I'd say yeah. 
Backlund brought it up, chasing a Stanley Cup. How does this get you closer to that goal? And he's been here for so long, I don't think anyone can begrudge Backlund the opportunity to go chase. And you have to wonder how quickly the Flames will be able to get their next GM in place. Will they be ready to tackle one of the deepest drafts in recent memory? Will they have the pieces in place to say, okay, our window's still open, we're still going to try to go for it? Or... Are we going to try to shut it down, try to get some picks out of this draft? And with no true living, where's Michael Stone going to get his contract? Where's Matthew Phillips going to go? I see Rob Kerr in our waiting room here. Can we bring him on? Oh, hi, pal. Hi, what's going on? Are you interviewing for the job yet? I'm not. That, oh, that's what you think I'm... Oh, no, 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 no. Let's not get that rumor started. Breaking. No, 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 no. No, I just decided that I was going to do some other work today, so, you know... It's a nice quiet Monday. I'm just going to take it off. So, um, you know, nothing nothing ever happens on a Monday, right? This is safe. Here we are. And then you get that push notification and the stomach just drops. Yeah, it didn't though. I mean, it was, you know, Cammy. to be perfectly honest, when we didn't hear last Friday and nothing over the weekend, um, you know, I, I didn't think we'd hear it today. I thought we'd hear it in a couple of days just because the National Hockey League prefers to keep the focus on the playoffs. Uh, you know, if, if somebody called Barry, Gary Bettman and said, well, we're going to do this, he probably would have said, well, please do it in a couple of days. But having said that, nothing was surprising about today. Um, before I joined you, I, I just caught the start of uh, John Bean and Don Maloney's press conference. It's good to see John Bean out. And, you know, I've been, we've been asking questions. I've been asking questions about who's leading the process. So, you know, John Bean's was there and and then brought in Don Maloney. It was very emotional for Don. Interesting line by by Don. Just again, it, it sounded more like Brad's decision than anybody else's. Uh, the Flames did offer Brad an extension way back at the beginning of the year. He chose at that time not to sign it. Um, and he, and here we are. Um, you know, now a search for a general manager begins. Um, I'm not as concerned about the draft. Uh, because you have three lieutenants in Chris Snow, Craig Conroy, and Brad Pascal, because you have Don Maloney, already senior advisor of hockey operations, plus you still have Todd Button. I, I the, the only thing would be a new GM coming in with, you know, different marching orders. You'll still have the players all assessed. You'll still know, you know, in your internal rankings, but what the general manager may value or what he may change out, uh, that may impact it. But uh, you know, to me, it was if you clean house, if you let everybody go and the Wranglers are going on a, a run, who's who's in charge of that? Uh, but so far, it's it's just Brad. And it sounds like it was Brad's decision to move on. Yeah, you mentioned how emotional it was for Don. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys have ties that go back so far. Oh. 07, 08, I believe, was their first year together with the... Yeah the then Phoenix Coyotes, but you mentioned Brad also being offered an extension. Do you know when that was like in relation to Daryl getting his extension done? I I don't, I I would be speculating. I think it's around the same time Daryl's was done fairly early in the season. My understanding was uh, trees was done at the same time, if not just a little bit before, but I, I I have no confirmation on that. Um, I, I will say this too, because inevitably, you know, social media and just the, the vacuum of talking about all of this, somebody's going to bring up the the uh, loyalty comment. Uh, I, I I know Brad well enough to know that he pushed Don to take this. That Don probably, you know, I should go down with you. You're, my, but th- this was just Brad saying for me at this time, 
I'm going to move. So I, I don't want anybody thinking for a second that Don Maloney isn't being loyal or anything. That's not how this business works. Same thing with, you know, Pascal and Conroy and Snow. There's only so many jobs in, in the world, right? And it's all fine and well to be a social media king and say, oh, I wouldn't do it. Listen, you take the jobs when they present themselves and good on, on Don Maloney. He's been here. He's put in the time. He has the experience. He's now the president of hockey operations. It goes back to what Kelsey Snow said when she joined you here in studio at sports. You get hired, you get fired, yep. and sometimes yep. you mutually part ways. Yep. Yeah, you do. I don't know about mutually parting ways, but I've certainly been fired. Uh, so <clears throat> I, I assume, yeah, in this case, that's what that was. We've all been canned at one point if you worked in sports sure. for a while, right? <laughs> right, exactly. We have all been politely yet firmly escorted to our vehicles. I, I think the one thing, you know, and, and again, I... You know, I'm not being critical of ownership. I just think ownership has a responsibility in this that, you know, the general feeling I have and others have is that, you know, Daryl was was Murray Edwards higher preference, whatever you want to say, you know, ask tree to do it or whatever. Uh, the fact that it's who's, you know, at this point now, I, I'm not listening to the press conference and, and maybe Don Maloney's made it perfectly clear that the coach is up for grabs, too, because, you know, you, you never want to hire a, or you never inheriting a, a coach for, for a new GM is not always a good scenario. Right. Um, and who knows? Maybe he is saying that. But I fully expect today leads me to believe that Daryl will be back behind the bench again next year to start working on the two year extension. Yeah, we want anything except for a Bruce Boudreaux-esque fiasco here. But I will be more critical than you will. Like before this news came down today, I was ready to come in here and say, I want a strongly worded letter. I want oh. the Flames to put out a message to fans. Just tell them what the plan is. Oh. We hear it at the start and end oh. of every season. Oh, well, we didn't actually uh, set any expectations. That was all outside noise in the media. You don't, aw, shucks, we're here to a Stanley Cup. Like doing what the Canadians no, did a couple seasons ago and like getting the lightning in a bottle and riding that to the final. That's not a plan. It's a plan. No, I, you're absolutely right. But, and I, I hate the letter. Now, the letter is kind of a moot point now since there isn't um, newspapers in the way we knew newspapers, right? Um, I like the letter from an athlete. Jason Taylor wrote this incredible letter to Miami fans. It was in the Miami Herald about being a dolphin. Cool. But the Oilers did it. You know, the, the, the Rangers did it. This We're sorry we lost. We're going to be better. Here's our plan. It wasn't a I, we're sorry we'll be better. It was like, listen, this is what we're doing. We know it's going to be hard. And, like, fans will stick with them. They've stuck with them through far worse. And they'd probably a, be happier to know, like, hey, rough two seasons. Need, buckle up. Come watch the kids. A, do you need a letter? Or do you need a press conference that says – here it is. This is what we're going to do. The, the challenge is, is that the media conferences and, and media speak is not Daryl's strength. Right. And getting him to articulate exact, you know, he, he just assumes everybody always knows what he means. But is, and, the, and is that the result. guy that the message needs to come from? No, the message needs to come from the GM or the owner, or, or the, in this case, the owner's, um, uh, a representative, which is John Bean. And I think it could be a letter. I'm, I'm just kind of, I, I just hated those letters. It's sorry, we lost, you know, we'll be better next year. Come out, hire a new GM. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. Um, 
don't give me, well, we're going to have guys who really want to be here. It's a Canadian, like if the new GM comes in and starts telling me about how great it is to be a GM in a Canadian market, I'm done. I am absolutely done. I've heard it from every coach. I hear it all the time. It's not great to be in a Canadian market right now. It sucks to be in a Canadian market right now. It really does. Just look at this. Look at the challenges that that Canadian markets are having. You, who who's got longevity? Who's the longest serving coach in Canada right now? Sheldon Keefe, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's tough. So, but in Calgary, Calgary is not a harsh market. It's not a harsh market. It's not a harsh market. Imagine Danny, if we were in Detroit, coaches, how would this go how down? Many, how many coaches? Too many. How many starting goalies? 2010s too on, many, too many. Too many. But but at the end of the year, and I'm part of it, there's this churn of, okay, somebody's got to walk the plank. This season didn't go well. Somebody's got to walk the plank. And if somebody doesn't walk the plank, then we're going to lose sponsors and season ticket holders and stuff like that. But how much it's, of that comes from not having groundwork or a plan or just any kind of guideline that well, you want to follow going are, forward? Are you, but are you suggesting for a second that Tree Living didn't have a plan? I don't know that they had a, a they fulsome had a plan, plan just, with the way things were going this season. I, I will die on this hill. I will die on this hill that the GM was here and the coach was here, not here. And the plan, I mean, you can criticize Brad for living for free agent signings. No problem there. There was, you know, a handful of them that were no good, but he did a lot of good things. And one of the things that has been much better, and it started with Feaster and it continued with true living was drafting and development. And I will die on the hill that Matthew Phillips was mishandled this year. I will die on that hill. Proven wrong next year when he's in a full-time in American League or in Europe? Okay, and I'll, I'll take that pill. I will die, on, but I'm going to die on this hill. Well, he finally and, has the chance to go somewhere else now. Right, but it wasn't, it wasn't management. It was the coach. And that's okay. Daryl's earned that right. He's won two Stanley Cups. He's, but the coach and the GM have to be on the same page. Just don't tell me that there's no plan because there was a plan. There's just no connection to executing that plan, Right. How much did Pelche play? Didn't play the first six games. Then he played. Then he didn't play. Adam Ruzicka. Adam Ruzicka was for a segment of time there. You know this better than anybody. He was. Yeah, about uh, that, the New Jersey game on. Right. That's when it really seemed and, like he went off for that road trip. Looked like he uh, had a couple games hurt. It looked well, like he was going to be able to slot in there fairly regularly and just seemed to fall out of favor. Right. He fell out of favor. Connor Mackey became an extra piece. You don't have the luxury in a salary cap world these days of not developing your young players. And I've gotten into this with people on on social media. It's an opinion. It's not a fact. My opinion is the NHL coach still has a responsibility to develop young players. Daryl Sutter doesn't feel like that. Daryl Sutter feels like, give me the finished product or, or give me somebody that can just sit here until I'm ready. And it was too much Trevor Lewis. It was too much Nick Ritchie. It was too much, too much, too much. Again, what are we talking about? A team that set records in futility in one-goal games. Teams that set records in futility in overtime and shootout games. And you're telling me that you have the most successful offensive production player for the last two years in the American Hockey League, and he can't get a sniff? He gets the two games that he played. I thought he was fine. But then he goes away. And, and... 
at what point does the coach have to be accountable for this? The GM's accountable. He does. He's not here anymore. But don't tell me there's no plan. What you need to communicate to me is there's a plan and everybody's bought in, right? We're all committed to rowing the boat in the same direction. And and I feel like Brad Treliving began just bringing up young players, make a point, they're there, you play them. But the fact that Pelche sat on the bench for six games is ridiculous. Give me an example of where that happens anywhere else. And remained right. like a shining light in practice and in the dressing room while doing so. Right. And and again, this is not, this. I guess it is a criticism of Daryl Sutter. I like Daryl. I respect Daryl. I think Daryl's a Hall of Fame coach. But I just don't think he was executing Tree Living's plan. And the plan was built for a certain style. As a result, here we are. Do, do I believe next year this team could be more successful? Absolutely, I do. Do I believe it'll look the same? Nope, I sure don't. Because I think now, I think there's guys that are going to want out now. Whether you agree or not, there's guys that don't like playing for Daryl. And it's not this year's free agent class that everybody's worried about. It's next year's free agent class. So how many of those guys are going to say to Don Maloney, yeah, if, if he's staying, I'm going? I, I don't know. But I don't think this team is going to look the same next year. I just don't. Um, and it's too bad because this team underachieved. It was so it was capable of so much more than it gave. It would be so we can't even judge the trade, the Matthew Kachuk trade, and I say until another year, because I go back to one of the last major blockbuster Canadian market trades. I go back to Taylor Hall for Adam Larson one for one. Yeah. One year later, it looked like the Oilers won that, even though people shredded that trade when it oh, actually sure. happened. Who was saying Adam Larson was a top-daring defenseman at that point? And yeah. people thought Taylor Hall was a big flop because the Devils still missed that next year. Well, you go forward one more year, he bounced back. He won the heart the next year. So yeah. I'm not willing to judge Huberto or Caudry. I think Weger played real well, especially no. towards the second half of the season, so I'm kind of leaving him out of this. But I'm not ready to judge those guys until next year. No, I, I wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't. Um, you know, ha- having said that, um, that's, you know, and I, I get there's a certain segment of the population doesn't like to hear this. That, that trade should have never happened. But you don't have a new building. And there's a whole bunch of reasons why playing in Canada is not necessarily um, the thing that a lot of guys want to do anymore. And I don't say that to pile on. I lived through, you're too young to remember this, but I lived through the Canadian equalization. I remember when the the league gave Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton dollars so that they could be equal. And it was never equal. It was just about trying to keep the heads afloat. And I'm not saying we're getting there, but when you you have Mackenzie Weeger, somebody tell me what Mackenzie Weeger said what was wrong with what Mackenzie Weger said? What was factually incorrect about what Mackenzie Weger said? Not a thing. I don't think there's anyone who would disagree with Mackenzie Weger. I think people are surprised that a, a player actually brought it up. Is remember yeah. what, remember when he first came here right after uh, the trade and he uh, the Flames posted the video of him going into the locker room for the first time. His jersey's there. It's all pressed, and the comments just lit it up like that is a junior B looking room. Yep. Yep. And it is. And it is. And it's incumbent upon this organization to fix that. 
it's incumbent upon this organization to write back to what you were talking about. I'm only arguing with the, the method, but you're absolutely right that give articulate your plan, give us a timeline. If you honestly, the, the, the most ridiculous thing in sports is, well, we're not allowed to say the R word. And I'm not suggesting for a second that the re, a rebuild is necessarily what should be going on here. But if you were going down that path, you can tell these fans. Don't don't insult anybody's intelligence with, you know, I love how every fan base is the greatest fan base in the history of hockey. Every fan base is the smartest fan base in the history of hockey. Everybody, Daryl said it, the organization said it. People know, people are smart around here. If it's a rebuild, then tell us it's a rebuild. If it's a reload, then tell us it's a reload. But quit with the, oh, we are always here to make the, you know, Jay Feaster, we're always, my marching orders are to make the playoffs every year. All right, then you're going to be stranded in mediocrity. You tell me, you take away the foundation and you take away the alumni and you tell me what this organization does better than anybody. And it needs, it needs to become a leader again. It needs to become the standard in the league. And it cannot do that without a building and all those things that go along with it. You have to empower the staff. You have to make the players, whether you, oh, it's coddling the players. Cool, coddling the players, but everybody else is doing it, so coddle the players, right? And and right now, uh, today, I wonder what we're talking about. My hope is Craig Conroy is the general manager of this team, and I, I hope he wants that. I hope he wants the challenge of that. But he's put in the time. He's got the credit. He's got the smarts. He, I think, can work with Daryl. What I'm really worried about is that the next general manager will be hired based on their ability to listen to Daryl. Because you're who wags the who's wagging the dog, right? Who who's wagging the dog? It is the video online of the dog out walking itself with the leash in its mouth. That's Daryl. Yeah. But. I know they can't, they can't come out and just say, yep, it's Craig. At this point, like, you have to just see who else is out there. You have to look at the AGMs across the league who might be looking for an opportunity to move up. And I don't think that knocks down Connie's standing in any way. I love the guy. But I do think they just have to, they have to do the due diligence. It's like the player, to, it's like the player to. saying, like, yep, would love to resign here. Got to see what's out have, there. But they always have, they always, it's not something they've always done, right? Like, feast you have to now. Here. Feaster was here, right? Feaster was a special assistant to Daryl, right? How many presidents of hockey operations did they, you know, interview before they decided on um, Brian Burke, right? Um, You know, when, when Jay Feaster got here, the first thing anybody said was, well, if they ever need a coach, it'll be Bob Hartley. Lo and behold, it's Bob Hartley. Now, I know for a fact they did talk to other people, but that's not to say they didn't have their minds made up. Are you, are you one of those people that believes in what Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick talk about on the 32 podcast all the time, which is these search firms? Do you think that it's come time now for organizations to get professional about this and allow search firms to go and hunt far and wide? Why would I don't you? get that. And again, I didn't hear all the press conferences. Hmm. Maybe they've announced that. Yeah, I haven't been able to see uh, anything out of the press conference yet either. We're going to have Danny on in a little bit, and he'll uh, kind of share some of his takeaways. But why wouldn't you? You need to just look and see what's out there. My question is, if it is Connie, 
What does that do for the chances of Jerome Ginla becoming involved with the organization in some capacity again? Because those guys are still like this. Sure they are. Um, it depends on what it depends on what Jerome wants to do. And I'm sure Craig and Jerome have talked about the what ifs and the uh, and if I'm Jerome or if I'm Craig, wouldn't I be using him as leverage? You know, I think I can bring him in. Um, you know, it's uh, yes, but I'll go you one further. Is that the right person? I, 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 my heart of hearts, I believe it is, but I want Craig to be successful too. And, you know, if you're coming into this situation, are you setting up a general manager for success? Right. Right. And Rob, I don't know if you can see the the comments where you are, but uh, there's one from Steve here. It says, uh, Hard for this team to do the checking style of Sutter game plan. Players don't want to play that style all season. Actually, one thing that really made me nervous this year that I would like to see addressed next year and kind of goes back to your point about getting the young kids in there, speed. Anaheim mm-hmm. was not good this year, but damn, they were quick. Mm-hmm. I see that becoming a problem very quickly. I loved Walker Dewar's. Actually, I, sure. is Walker Dewar fast or was he on a line with Lewis and Lucic? Well, <laughs> I think he, he moves around. Look, I go back to, you know, Again, this I I, I kind of wish Daryl was sitting right next to me because I do I'd like to think that I would say the same things to Daryl. I, I wouldn't. I'm not trying to cut him down. I think the world of him, and I think in in 2003 2004 he did a masterful job. What he did in Los Angeles when he stepped in, he did a masterful job. I think he's done some good things, but this year it's to me it's just like okay, or hold on, are we all on the same page here? Like what works and what doesn't work, and. Uh, you know, you talk about the youth. I, I just, again, I don't know if they're, I don't, you know, I don't know if they're the answer. But when Daryl was a general manager, he had a, a, fo- a philosophy. Three years. First year, you're, you come out of junior college, you play in the American Hockey League. Two, you, your second year, you get a taste. Beginning, middle, end, you get a taste. Third year, you start in the American Hockey League. Middle of the season, you get called up. You're then forever an NHL player. David Moss. That was exactly David Moss's projection. That was Adam Party's projection. A little bit different for Eric Nystrom. His was fairly early in the season, but he was sent down again, called up, never looked back. That's Daryl's path. But... Tyler Chifoli knows all too well. He told us right. about it this year. Raz too, and like to a point, there's a lot to what they're saying. Uh, like getting that taste, going back, applying it, applying that trade a little more in the AHL, but then you got to get the call back up. You got to get the second opportunity and more than five minutes you, of playing time. And and it's at some point, and Dar- don't ever dismiss Daryl, and, and I don't ever want to hear anybody saying, well, Daryl's old school. He doesn't listen to analytics. Daryl's the first coach I was ever around in, in the National Hockey League that that talked about analytics, that knew about analytics. Now, I'm not saying he's the first, but he was the first one I was ever around. And he had to have seen the same kind of trends in terms of, yes, you're generating shots, but you're not generating high danger. Yes, you're generating shots and you're out shooting teams, but you're not outscoring them. And it's like they become... It's like they become like the late Bill Peters flames, or it's like, yeah, we'll allow all the shots in the world, but they're all coming from the perimeter, so... Right. What's the problem? I don't know where we go from here, Cammie. Um, it was a necessary step today. 
uh, Wednesday when I come back in, I, I'll talk a little bit about Brad because I have some very strong feelings about Brad. Um, but I do want to say that I'm, I'm glad the decision's been made one way or the other. I didn't, nobody wanted this dragging out. Um, I look forward to going back and hearing what, you know, what uh, Don Maloney has to say. I look forward to hearing what Danny Austin's going to say a little later on in the program. I do remind everybody that every guest on this program is brought to you by Ski Seller Snowboard. Skisellersnowboard.com is the website, three locations in Calgary. They've only been around for 76 years. And you know what? Um, even right now, still great deals because there's a little bit of snow in the mountains. And I, and I know... Spring Nick skiing Lewis, slush cups coming up. That's Don't right. Don't sleep and on I know, it. I know Nick Lewis is coming up. You might want to ask him about skiing adventures there, but certainly, you know, skisellersnowboard.com, proud to bring you Nick Lewis too. This is a busy show you put together today. Oh, that one's all Danny. Stick taps to Danny on that one. <laughs> but on that note, yeah, Rob, I'll let you uh, get okay. on back to work. We're going to get Nick Lewis on here. Well, and thanks for taking care of the show for me. It's good we got competent adults on today. Neither of those two things. <laughs> Although, oh, wait, Rob, I got to tell you this. Okay, so a little while okay. ago, I was walking to the chiropractor because I have put my back out completely from golfing. Yes. As one does when you're a thousand years old. And right. I'm walking, uh, to, the yes, chi- I'm walking to the chiropractor and I walk past like a value buds. And this kid who looked like 15 said, excuse me, ma'am, can you buy me a joint? Huh. I just got <clears throat> collapsed, ma'am. <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> wasn't ready <laughs> no nope. we'll go to denny's soon be. and get our senior discounts <laughs> none of us should be all right get out of here get out of here right. i'll talk to you later all right we could spend about a uh, half an hour on the program just listing off this guy's resume but popping in via zoom he's one of the all-time greats to don the red and white 15 year cfl career couple championships named an all-star too many times can't count that high Hall of Famer, all-time CFL reception leader, and now your receivers coach for the Calgary Stampeders. We got Nick Lewis here. How's it going? Hey, great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just sitting in the office, looking at all these other great receivers above me up here that that motivate me every day that I walk in this office. Well, Rob kind of alluded to it. uh, and I saw you cackling on the preview monitor there about the skiing story. Uh, What do you got to share on that front? Man, look, I don't ski. Um, ever since I got this plate in my leg, you know, it, it, the skis press into the side of my leg. So uh, being from Texas, wasn't around a lot of snow, but I have went out uh, a couple times. I went snowboard. I, I find snowboarding better and easier than skiing. Uh, but no, I'm not I'm not going up there too often. Were you doing the pizza the whole time? <laughs> I don't even know what that is. <laughs> There's like the French fry and then the pizza to go slow on skis, I guess. I yeah, no, just give me the snowboard and, and let me roll, and um, I'll make my way to the bottom, and, and that's enough for me one time. Maybe we'll get the people at a Ski Seller Snowboard to uh, fit you up, and we'll get you out on the mountain and get some video next season. <laughs> That'll work. <laughs> uh, yeah, new stamps receivers coach, uh, first couple months on the job. How are you liking it so far? I love it. I love it. You know, um, I had a chance to coach one, one time because uh, I've retired out in BC, and now uh, being able to get back into it and and just being around these group of guys every day with and the rest of the coaches on the coaching staff, it's just been a, a blessing and a joy to to be around and be able to talk football every day and, and watch football. I'm curious, like when I hear your name, I think of as much as the staggering stats, but like the entertainment value you brought to the field as someone who loved putting on a show for the fans as as much as you loved winning. So 
you don't do that as much as a coach. So I'm curious, how has your passion or love of the game changed or evolved with being on the coaching side? Oh, it hasn't. I'm still passionate about everything that I do. So um, I'm going to bring a lot of excitement to the sidelines and I'm going to be having a good time watching the guys go out there and, and ball out. Uh, but, you know, me and me and Juwan Simpson have brought a lot of youthful energy to this uh, this coaching staff. And uh, it, it's been really fun around the office and uh, a lot of jokes being flying around every day. But it, it's really good to be a part of and, and just enjoying what we're doing. And for me, it's about being able to give back to the to the next generation and uh, to these guys to be able to share my wisdom and my knowledge and allow them to go out and try to, you know, conquer their own mountains. And you're going to have Jabari Arthur kicking around for training camp too? Yes, indeed. My brother, you know, uh, I remember when Jabari got here in 2008 and, and we, we were right there at the same position for, for most of my career, most of my time here and his time here. So to be around him and to know him so well and to see his growth, uh, not only as a, as a player, but as a man, um, as a father and, and, and as a coach, you know, it's just so awesome to be able to see that and to be able to go through my first training camp back in Calgary with that, with Jabari Arthur. And then you got Dave and his, uh, his new responsibilities that he's added on. Now you guys have a relationship going back, you know, 15 plus years. How's that helped you out? Oh, it's great. It's great. You know, um, when I was, when I was at the great cup and, and Dave, uh, pulled me aside and, and, and talked to me about the opportunity, you know, that was when it really, uh, one of those things that it was like, man, I didn't know if I was going to get back into coaching, but I knew if I was, it was going to be a, with someone that I trusted and I knew and, and also someone that was so dedicated to the game and has so much experiences, not even just experience, but winning experience, uh, but that can share so much of himself. So I just try to get as many nuggets as I can when I hang around him. And it's been great just being back around him and just seeing him on a daily basis. And there's so much continuity within the organization because, you know, people talk about the Stampeders way, but how are things different from when you left? Uh, not much has changed. You know, uh, Mark Mueller is still on the coaching staff. Uh, you know, Pat Delmonico is still on the coaching staff. Dave uh, Huff and, you know, the guys, Brendan Mahoney, uh, Mark Killam, Brent Monson. Everybody's pretty much the same since I left here. So, it's really cool, but the only way that you can keep it like that in, in professional sports is to go out and win, right? Because when you lose, that's when people lose their jobs. And so they've done a great job of continuing to win in ways and, you know, continue to make the playoffs. And, you know, it's it's about time. We want to get over that hump and we want to be able to put, be in position, uh, as Hub calls, tournament, right? To be at the top of the list and, and feel good about our chances of winning the Grey Cup. So that's the ultimate goal. But we understand it starts with day one. And I'm excited about Rookie camp start here in about three weeks, uh, then going into training camp. So it's going to be fun. We've got a young receiving core that I'm super excited to work with. Mentioned the core. Uh, let's talk about some of those receivers you're going to be working with. Uh, Malik Henry was just the breakout star last year. What do you, what do you think the best possible like follow-up season looks like for him? You know, it, he's a little bit smaller than Rambo, but a, a guy that's really similar. Uh, that can run everything in the playbook, shows great speed, and he runs so effortlessly across the field and, and does things, and uh, he's a big playmaker for us. So looking forward to him being able to capitalize on what he started last year and being able to really, really put put attention on himself this year uh, with the help of Reggie Bagleton, who, who had his best year in 2019 before he went to the NFL, and then last year, first full season back, 
but we're looking to take that up a little another notch and, and get him back to there as well. So we want to we know those two guys have the great big playability and the ability for us to win a lot of games. That was something that Huff brought up in his end of season presser, just uh, the use of Reggie Bagleton's speed. How do you kind of adjust his redeployment? Yeah, you know, Reggie's one of those guys that just getting comfortable in there um, at the position he's in. He's playing where I played, you know, my last year or, you know, my last six or seven years in Calgary. So I'm going to be able to share a little bit of knowledge on how to, you know, win a little bit more over the middle and do some of those things, protecting ourselves. And uh, most of it is just keeping those guys healthy. You know, those guys are like Corvettes and in, in everything. And you can't take it out every day, but you want to keep those guys healthy and make sure they're going out there making plays and, and, make, and winning games for you. Danny Austin's down at the the Saddle Dome right now, but he sent this one along, said he was really curious. Uh, the other spot we kind of look at as being the, the third American receiver, we got a little bit of a look at Trey Odom's Dukes last year. They brought in some intriguing players like a Tommy Lee Lewis. How important is it to have that kind of open competition at spring camp? It's great. You know, competition, one thing about Calgary has always been a lot of competition, and we've never been afraid to go out and compete in you know, my time here, I look back to me, Cope and Rambo, me, Ron and Rambo, um, me, Marquay and, 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 you know, Eric Rogers and a lot of those guys. So being able to see just the caliber of talent and always having three receivers at the top, I think we have some top Canadians as well that could really push for that third spot to really be an impact and a factor in this season. So I just look forward to seeing what we can do and how we can grow into it. Uh, but Trey Adams Dukes, you know, he did a, he did some good things last year, looking to build on that as well. Uh, but we got some other young guys coming up here, like you mentioned, Tommy Lee Lewis and, and others. So I, I think we have a really exciting roster and we're young. Uh, so it's going to be about how I can help mold them into um, the permanent playmakers that they need to be. There's a lot of guys who are just so young and they feel like they're on the cusp. And we look at your journey, you know, you come in as a, a dip to walk on and you completely stole the show. How do you help prime someone for that breakout? And is there anyone that you're looking at where you think this could be their year? You know, I look at that as like expectation. You know, when, when somebody comes in, we have high expectations for them. You know, we talk about Malik and Reggie and how high the expectation is for those two guys in this locker room and it's not just good enough to go out and be like everybody else, but they have to really set the bar uh, above and, and high for other people to reach. And um, a guy like myself that came in, you know, 19 years ago and nobody knew it was one of those things that nobody knew me. So there was no expectation. And, and I think we have a couple young guys that will be uh, coming to training camp that don't really have an expectation. And they will be able to go out there every day and, and just prove it and, and just earn their name and and earn their ability to be on this roster. So uh, I, I'm really excited about it. There's guys of all sizes. And <laughs> as you know, with Rice and John at 6'7", uh, it's, it's going to be fun to be able to work with him and the others. Jalen Philpott is a kid who came in with a lot of expectations, a Canadian, a first-round draft pick last year. Uh, had some injury stuff going on last season, but we really started to see him come on at the end. The game against BC was absolutely insane. But what what do you want from Jalen this year? You know, it's always about the Im improvement, you know, just being sure of yourself, understanding where you are mentally. Uh, the game is a mental game as well. And as a, as a young guy, you, you go out there and you play hard, you play hard, you play hard. I uh, always say – 
and you want your young guys to bring the energy and you want your your veterans to bring that wisdom and, and understanding how to win games. And uh, Jalen's one of those guys that we feel very highly about. He has the ability to really separate himself and, and you know, what we call ratio changers and, and really be able to play one of those key spots in the offense that to really see him do better. And if you want to talk about the big guys, I mean, it kind of feels like Luther Hakanavanu is getting better every year. Oh, man, I love it. And, you know, sitting down with him, he's one of the first people I talked to when I got the job and, you know, calling all the receivers and just letting them know who I am, what my expectations are, and just getting to know them a little bit more. You know, a basketball guy, it, it's so crazy to watch him catch the ball over the shoulder. And when most most time, that's the hardest catch. And for him to track the ball as well as he does, catch it over the shoulder, be a great presence, and, and with his stride length, he can really stretch the field. So I, I'm expecting Luther to take that next step as well. And, you know, we're, we're, we're still converting from basketball to football, so we're going to keep improving our, our physicality, and, and it's going to be fun to watch. No, you're a multi-sport guy, but Luther strikes me as someone that's like, man, you could have just, like, just pick a sport with who you are. <laughs> 100%. I don't know if he can shoot, but I'm pretty sure he can dunk it because he, he he definitely has that great ability to 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 make those catches downfield, tough catches over the shoulder. And um, I, I don't think you've seen anything with Luther yet. I think we're just at the tip of the iceberg right now. We're just getting started. Another guy who kind of like shined when they got to play in their hometown. Like we saw Jalen go off in BC. We see Luther go off in Edmonton. That's always fun stuff. Always, man. It's always a fun, fun times with young guys because these young guys really are able to go out and you just see the growth. But then when it clicks, one of those biggest things when it clicks in your head and you say, Oh my gosh, I get it now. And the game really starts to slow down for them and they're able to go out there and be consistent you know, that's all we look for is let's go be consistent. We'll make the plays when we have a chance to make the plays. And, um, you know, we we have to be able to block for those running backs because, I mean, Dedrick Mills and, and Kadeem Carey, I mean, come on. This the best duo in the league uh, by far. And we know with a great running game, I mean, I was a part of a great running game with Joffrey Reynolds and, and John Cornish. So understanding the strengths of having a great running game opens up so many windows downfield that's going to make our job a lot easier. And another guy uh, we don't actually, I, people in Calgary don't know much about yet, uh, Ryson Johnson. Six foot seven, is that right? Six foot seven. Uh, yeah, last time I talked to him, about six seven, about 250, uh, 12% body fat. He's pretty lean. Uh, been playing tight end down in the NFL. I had a chance to sit down with him. Um, he came in a couple weeks ago. And, man, what a great young man that is. And just humble and, and, and looking to learn and, and go out and become the best, his best self. And I just look forward to working with him and get him acclimated to our offense because we can use him in so many ways, whether it's the tight end or the slide or anywhere really on the offensive side of the ball, and we can create mismatches and, and do so many things. And so it's, it's going to be fun to be able to have guys like that in your offense, no matter what part of the field you're in. Is there potential for him to be a guy who makes an impact right from week one? I believe so. I believe so. And, you know, for me, I always talk to the guys about your mentality. What's your mentality? What are you, what are you looking to accomplish and chasing your greatest self? Like, that's the reason we play the game is what is the greatest version of myself inside this game? And, and every day I go to practice, I want to try to seek that. and I want to try to search that and, and try to go chase it. And then when the game comes, I'm looking to be the greatest version of myself. So 
when we go out there and we we play, it's going to be a lot of individuals that come together as a team, but they're all looking for their greatest self to play a complete game, to be able to be consistent and to go out there and dominate the person across from you or the team across from you. And, you know, we're going to play with an edge. We're going to have an attitude and we're going to go out there and make a lot of plays. You know, the the biggest storyline last season was the quarterback switch, Jake Mayer taking the reins, and it went pretty well, but uh, it could be, I guess, disruptive would be a word for the receiving core. So what does it mean to your group to be able to work with Jake Mayer, knowing what's happening going forward from day one of camp? Yeah, it's going to be a lot different. I mean, you know, I, I remember when the change from Hank to Drew, Right. And, and then Drew to Kevin and, and Kevin to Bo. So it, it's, it always changes a little bit. But when you can go into training camp, because their strengths are different, Bo and, and Jake, uh, they're different guys. They play the game differently. But that's a good thing. And, you know, for the guys that had a chance to, whether you were a backup last year, like Trey Hodum's Dukes at most parts, you're probably getting most of your catches from Jake Mayer. So now you're probably more comfortable with him. And then as Jake came in and uh, Reggie and, and Malik started getting more and more catches from him. So you start to see that. But now starting training camp, everybody understands what's accepted. I mean, what's expected. And, and for Jake, it's, it's time to to really set the standard of what you're looking for, right? And they have to live up to Jake's standard because he's the one dishing the ball out. And we, we'll make sure we can, you know, match that intensity and, and be able to be there for him to make it as easy as a transition as possible. And maybe an opportunity to try some fun or some different things with a big old Tommy Stevens back there. Oh, yeah, man, look, that's a great athlete. When you can see Tommy run down the field, rumbling down the field going 80 against Sass, man, I, I was like, man, I was blown up, blown away, uh, you know, by the end of the year, by what he was doing. And, you know, just seeing the work that he's put in in the offseason to be able to go out and, and just can continue to work on himself to be a complete quarterback, right? So now he can go in and do multiple things. So, and, and that's the journey of an athlete. It's like, how can I continue to improve myself to get my best self? the best chance to succeed so he's going to be better this year uh we're all going to be better and you know i'm just looking forward to being a part of it and i'm curious i know uh last season we saw you getting out to some cebl games up in edmonton with that uh that nice hall of fame jacket on are you going to be uh showing the surge some love when they tip off here oh 100 yeah i'll be at the i'll be at the games uh I, I like it i like it man it's a uh, good content it's 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 very good competition out there uh, the guys go out and compete. So anytime I, and basketball is my favorite sport. So anytime I can go out and, and watch them, then it's great. And I always love to support, you know, uh, a friend of mine and a former uh, competitor, Mike Morreale, uh over the CBL. So always look forward to supporting my brothers. What do you think of the playoff action this weekend? Man, it was crazy. I, I really didn't think uh, the Clippers were going to win, uh, but you'll see Durant come on more and more. Uh, but, you know, there's some interesting things with Giannis getting hurt yesterday, um, Tyler Hero breaking his hand. You know, it, it's so crazy how you think of the playoffs are going to go and then one injury, uh, how it can change the whole dynamic of a team. And uh, interesting to see Golden State Warriors tonight. Steph has been my favorite player for the last 12 years, so it's going to be able to see him come back out. They're down uh, 1-0 right now, so be able to see what they can come out and do tonight. And they're keeping you guys busy uh, all the way up until training camp starts. I know you guys have an event with some uh, season ticket holders tomorrow. I, I guess no spoilers, but I hear you have some new threads. Uh, what's your assessment of those so far? <laughs> you know what? I, I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying 
Calgary being back, um, you know, last week I got to go out to the Colts um, dinner, and and this this week I'm I'm doing the stamps event tomorrow, and also uh, the Dinos banquet. So uh, I'm just enjoying being back in this community, being able to support people in this community, uh, whether it's minor uh, football or or you know I've, I've coached with the uh, Alberta Selects. It's a team that travels down to Texas and in other places that goes and, and, and plays football and his kids, right? 10 U all the way up through uh, high school varsity. So I've coached with them and, and done things. So I'm just so happy to be back in this community, being able to support people that, that have supported me for so long. So that's, that's the most positive thing for me. Actually, I think the last time I saw you in person, it would have been at the, the flames poker tournament. Yes. How'd that shake out <laughs> for you? I didn't see you at the end. How'd you play? You know what? Um, I was, I started off pretty good. I won a hand that I didn't think I was going to win because, you know, I had the automatic rebuy. So I was like, let's get this out of the way early so I can really play. And then um, I, I started winning too much. So then I started going downhill, started playing some bad hands and my luck never turned around after that. So even after the rebuy, my luck was still on the bat. I shouldn't have played bad. I should have just allowed it to happen naturally. Uh, but I had such a great time at the Cowboys table. So you know, shout out to that group and, and allowing me to come and sit at their table and being a part of the fun. Oh, you were Icarus. <laughs> a Sask fan got Dave's jersey, hey? I was at Dickie's table. Oh, yeah. yeah, I remember that. I remember that, yeah. He, he did. That's, uh, I tell him, I was like, are you going to go burn it or what are you going to do with it? <laughs> I know, and then I cleared out Dave one hand later after he bought back in. So close. <laughs> <laughs> maybe next year though hey <laughs> it's tough it's tough it, but it's a you know it was a wonderful tournament a lot of people out um it, it, it was so great to be a part of awesome anything else you wanted to add or any uh, projects going on that you wanted to plug today oh man always plug ao uh ao sports is uh, my sports media platform that'll be launching uh, hopefully this summer we're, we're putting some final touches on now so Looking forward to getting that off the ground and doing some really good behind-the-scenes stuff. We'll be doing it here at Stamps Headquarters. We'll be doing some other things. Uh, we have 100, over 100 athletes from nine different countries uh, signed up. So a lot of entertaining content that's going to be coming out. And I'm uh, just looking forward to, to being a part of that as the CEO. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. What do you hope the platform achieves? Great success. You know, I want to compete with the best at all times. So I'm looking to be like the sports version of, of what Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and, and Crackle are. And we're, we got some really great athletes on board. So and, and then I'm about ownership, right? You owning your own content and not other people owning your content and, and being having the freedom to go out and not make this a hobby, but truly have generational wealth and success uh, through this. So athletes and sports content creators are coming together to to be able to accomplish this, you know, we're going to be able to tell some really great stories. Uh, we'll have some great documentaries, some reality shows and um, all kinds of things. We have some people coming over from some major networks that's going to be bringing their content to AO. And so I'm looking forward to it uh, from all angles. That'll be fascinating. Cause you just look, I think really you can grab any guy off the field at a CFL game and they all have an insane story of how they got to where they are. A hundred percent. And one of the biggest things that I, I really, truly believe is uh, for women. And this platform is going to be truly great for women of, you know, up and coming athletes, women that want to get into the sports game, 
uh, as reporters and, and do other things that I think this platform is going to be so supportive of women in their journeys. And, and I just can't wait to support them. And I mean, we see the stats when you look at the NCAA Final Four, how the women are so much more, more people watched it this year than the men's Final Four, right? And um, so I, I just look forward to being able to be a part of that and, and supporting women all over the world. And even on the coaching side, because you guys all have uh, Tatrina Medvisek joining the team for the, the CFL's Women in Football program. I know uh, she kind of specializes more in the DBs coach, but have you uh, had a women on your coaching staff before? I've never had a woman on my coaching staff before, um, so it's very interesting. But one of my board members, advisory members, and one of my good friends is uh, Dr. Jen Welter, uh, the first woman to coach in the NFL. She's coaching uh, for the Las Vegas Viper right now in the uh, XFL. Um, and I'm trying to get her up here to come visit and hang out, uh, come watch a game and, and hang out. So uh, I think we can do some really cool things around her coming up here as well, uh, putting some women together and doing some really cool things. So she's so passionate about advancing this. And, you know, she's she works with over 500 uh, young girls in her, um, her flag league and doing things all across the U.S. So uh, anything that we can do to promote the sports of women, but also the advancement of women is going to be um, going to be great. Yeah, let me know when she's up here. We'll get her on the show. Awesome. I will do. Perfect. I'll let you get back to your day. Thank you so much for joining us again, Nick. Indeed. You have a great one. See you later. Well, not that he needs uh, much of an introduction, but again, that's Nick Lewis, Hall of Famer, new stamps receiver coach, making the, the Zoom track to the Oodle Nudo studio. We have our next guest uh, ready to come uh, roll up onto the hot seat here. Well, from football to football, professional soccer in our city's back. The CPL had record attendance for the opening weekend of its fifth season. 20,000 fans. Uh, Meyer Bevan with us from Cavalry FC. You guys earned the 2-2 draw against the old enemy uh, Forge. But man, just scoring the first goal of the season in front of the hostile crowd, more than 6,800 people. How does it feel to be back? Yeah, no, it's good. You know, it's been a long preseason waiting for this moment. You know, we've been building towards this for almost 10 weeks now, so it's good to finally get out there and perform like we did. You know, I thought we were good from start to finish, and it's something to build off now. I know you re-upped at the same time as uh, Ali Moosey, and, you know, they were really thinking that you guys and, like, Joe Mason would drive the offense. We see the three of you connect on that first goal. What's the, the chemistry been like that's built there? Yeah, no, it's good. You know, it started last year. Those uh, Joe Mason and Ali are good friends of mine off the pitch as well, so it creates a good connection on the pitch. And, like, there's a front four, front five of us now that are all working on the same page now. So I think it's been, yeah, it's been a good – it's definitely a good way to start for sure. What's the deal with that celebration? <laughs> <laughs> that's in, that's uh, Joe Mason last um, last preseason. He actually got pink eye in, in Mexico, and he was rubbing his eye every day. So I said to him, if, you, if I score – I'm going to cover my eye, and then it just flew from the first time he did it. Oh, stop. How does he feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> he actually does it now himself, so no, it's good. Mm. And then we see, uh, I think it was five yellows in the first half on Saturday. Just What happens when it's Forge on the other side of the pitch? Yeah, I don't know. There's, it's always a big rivalry between us two, you know. It's been like that from the start of this um, CPL, so it creates something, um, I don't know, fierce on the pitch, and obviously you see... Uh, the cards come out, and every time we play each other, the rivalry's very, very big. So that's just, I guess, that's the way of the game now. I mean, you've played all over the world. How does that rivalry kind of stack up against some of the uh, the other rivalries on teams you've been on? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, every team you go to normally has one rival or two, 
But I think the Forge um, cavalry rivalry is just every year it builds and builds and builds and there's, they meet each other. I think they've met in the playoffs quite a few times now. So if there's big games between those two clubs. So it's Yeah, it's going to create a big rivalry for sure. I mean, you mentioned the playoff clashes. That's how it ended last year, first year. Does it feel like that, like Cavalry is not going to win this thing until you can best those guys? Yeah, I mean, I mean, last year we bet them in the regular season, you know, and it comes down to the, there was the draw in the first leg of the semifinal and then obviously they bet us at their place. But I don't know, it's about time. It's, be, it's our year, so it's, I think this is it. So next up, you guys have Pacific FC at Starlight Stadium on Sunday. Fans can go down to Ship and Anchor to check that out. Then we have the home opener at Spruce Meadows on April 30th. But we've seen uh, actually quite a bit of turnover in the offseason. Guys really hampered by injuries last year. How would you describe the identity of this group now with the fresh season and the fresh slate ahead of you? Yeah, I mean, the the injury thing was quite big, quite prominent last year. You know, you saw quite important players to the team out for big spells. And there's majority, I think there's the only two people out at the moment. So once those two are fit, I think it's just maintaining that and keeping fit and then going forward as we intend to go on for the rest of the season. So, I mean, in terms of identity of the team, I think the boys, uh, the camaraderie off the pitch is unbelievable. And I think now it's just getting it working on the pitch and then yeah, showing everyone in this league what we can do. How do you go about building that connection with your teammates when you have so many countries, so many languages even being represented? Yeah, I mean, it's all done. I mean, coming into preseason, you know, you have little team events or you have dinners and you bring everyone together. And then it's just playing on the pitch and finding out about each other. And I think it all comes together once once it does. Or just like getting results, especially on the road. Big points, you know. I think on Saturday we deserve to win also. I think it was our game to lose. Um, and games like that just bring everyone tighter and tighter and tighter, and it will continue to do that for the rest of the season. So are you from Auckland proper or one of the suburbs? No, I'm from Auckland, yes. So what's the football culture like in New Zealand, and how did you end up here? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously rugby's the biggest sport where I come from. You know, growing up, everyone's putting a rugby ball in your hand, but football now uh, back home is, is growing and growing. We've got play, players playing in very good leagues all over the world, and it's good just for the kids to see that. And to get to Cavalry, I had a player, I played at White, uh, for Whitecaps, and I had a player, David Norman, who played with me there, and then he ended up coming here. And uh, COVID hit twice in New Zealand, so the second time it hit, we were out for quite a big spell while the rest of the world was still carrying on, and then Tommy got in touch through Norman, and then, yeah, that's, I ended up here. How did it feel to get the goal against Whitecaps in the Canadian <laughs> Championship? <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was definitely a good feeling for me, scoring against them, for sure. So when Mason Trafford, former captain, retired, he told a story about just the what have I done, where am I moment. He was in China, didn't speak the language, in an apartment where, like, couch is pink, walls are pink, lamps are pink, and he just did not know what to do with himself. I want to know, like, what was the culture shock moment for you out of all the different countries that you've played in? For me, it was South Africa. You know, like, uh, going over there was quite, it was quite crazy. I, I have nothing bad to say about my experience in South Africa. You know, I really enjoyed it. But the fact that um, you're living in gated communities, uh, every time you, like, get out, you're in a car, you can't go to certain places, you know. I mean, it's like they're all over the world, but it was definitely heightened in South Africa. So that was definitely a shock for me. But in terms of how I experienced South Africa, I have nothing bad to say. I actually really enjoyed it. Was there a culture shock moment in Calgary, or how have you found life here? No, uh, the only thing for me is how cold it gets. Like in the coming over here in February, for me, it's it was it got to like negative forty, negative forty at the end of last year. 
I've never experienced that before, that's for sure. Even like parking my car outside and leaving it overnight and then you're it's a whole situation when you wake up. Yeah. It's different for me. Tough, tough. Doesn't get that cold on the North Island? No, no not at all. <laughs> So last season, you were a big part of the club record 10-game unbeaten streak at six goals and 14 appearances before the hamstring injury hit. Have you set goals or targets that you want to hit this year? What does a, a successful campaign look like for you? Mm. I mean, after last year experiencing what I went through, you know, the injuries, I've never had that before in my, in my career so far. So for me, my first and foremost is staying fit, being, a, being available for as many games as possible, and then just giving 100%. I need to give 100% on the field every time I'm there. And then contributing, my job as a forward is to score and assist. So I don't set targets in terms of numbers. You know, obviously it would be nice to continue to score and score and score, but I just want to I wanna help the team as much as I can. And every time I step on the pitch, try and do my job, which is to score. So, yeah, hopefully as many as possible. With so many guys who didn't really get to establish themselves in the season last year and so many young guys coming up, is there anyone you look at who might be primed for a breakout? That's a, that's a big question. I think there's quite a few, you know. I think there's quite a few among among our team right now that are in a um, situation in their career where it's about to pop. You know, you got Mickey. You saw Mickey Cantave's goal on Saturday. You know, he's he's very, very good on the pitch. There's Roberto Alacon. There's Jesse Daly coming over from Aussie. I mean, there's Dan Klomp at the back. He's been here for years, and he's been very good. He's still young. And then, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of boys on the team. You've got Joe Mason also. Obviously, it's t- towards the end of his career, but... He's he's still he's still doing what he does. So there's a lot of a lot of players that are ready for that break. You know what they say in the CPL banger? Mickey hits one 25 yards out. What was your reaction to seeing that? <laughs> oh my days! I, I turned around and I just ran and jumped on. I couldn't believe it. I was yelling nah 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 when he hit that. That was unbelievable. But hopefully there's more to come. You know, first game of the season, contender for goal of the year already. So I mean, there's yeah, there's 27 more games. Hopefully more of those come out. Imagine Jesse Daly. You shredded the poor guy on that hometown <laughs> quiz. <laughs> no, Jesse's Jesse's um, already a very good friend of mine. You know, obviously it's so good having someone from back that side of the world. I wouldn't say I'm from Australia, you know, but that side of the world that can relate to you having over here and it sounds kind of similar to you. So, um, no, he's, yeah, Jesse's a good friend of mine already. The question you got right in that quiz. You were able to uh, correctly name the Stampeders, so... The only, the only question <laughs> I got right, yeah. Close on some of them. You got to look out for snakes. You actually do need to look out for snakes. I know, exactly. Lethbridge? I didn't even know what a bison was, to be honest. Yeah, but now I do. Yeah. And We're the, learning. And the hat on the Calgary flag. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning. That's that That's on personal myself. growth. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> but on the Stampeders, have you been to a Canadian football game? No, I Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. 
That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Heaven, I need to this year. I really want to this year. Also, uh, I've never been to a Flames game either. So obviously need to need to get to one of those. But um, yeah, I mean, they're obviously the other two big uh, uh, sporting teams in the city so yeah definitely need to get out for sure yeah it'd be a bit of a long wait for a flames game wranglers are going into playoffs could go check that out see the young guns but i was curious if you were to do canadian football what position would you play wide receiver get the boots moving yeah i think so i don't really know those guys those guys can move very fast so i mean maybe i have to go somewhere else but um yeah, I'll try. Why would you first? You get you get the catch and you get the cameras on you at the end. So that sounds good to me. Either make the catch or you run the same route twenty times and you don't even touch the ball. Exactly. Yeah. That's and they they run and they chop and they that's crazy. It's crazy. And one thing, there's always a bit of a buzz about this down at Spruce Meadows, but I hear uh, you're quite a TikTok star. Uh-huh. How'd that all get started? Well, me. So in uh, COVID in Auckland, um, the second time. Me and my girl, we were we were bored to be honest, and we we were pregnant. We were about five months into her, six months into her pregnancy, and we thought like, I mean, we never made it to for it to blow up. We kind of were just like, let's make some videos at the start, and then it got a bit of traction at the start because obviously she had a belly, and everyone was like, what's a baby gonna look like? And then it picked up, picked up, and then over after like three weeks, it was it was actually crazy. Like I actually couldn't believe it. You wake up in the morning, and it would be going ballistic but anyway so we just kind of ran with it and then I just keep building and building and now it's something that we do on a regular basis and now my daughter's been born and she's so beautiful you know so obviously I mean I'm biased but people are going to pick up on that and they they love her the camera loves her so I mean we just run with it now yeah I think I looked last night it was something like 13 million likes on there how do you how do you plan out what you do for these now Nowadays, we honestly just put the camera down and let Milu do what she does. But, um, I mean, we have um, people, we also do stuff for people. So a lot of the videos we're doing are, like, set up before. But um, we kind of just, it's kind of just a day. I mean, they've just been away for three months. So we haven't actually been posting for quite a while. And we're getting a bit of people are commenting, like, come on, we need to see Milu. She's growing so much. So I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll definitely be posting a lot. What's it been like for you navigating fatherhood and, you know, also trying to, build something special with the team here mm-hmm. i mean it's fatherhood is it's crazy it's, it's the best thing that ever happened to me and coming over here bringing um juliet my partner and um, milu um and then obviously getting into a new team it was difficult at the start you know because obviously you didn't know we didn't know anyone here and it was hard to you know it takes a whole village to raise a raise a child you know so we didn't really have um, much support but the boys and the wives and the team have been unbelievable you know I can't even I can't even explain how good they've been to us and um yeah now it's just made my life so much easier and Juliet you know now she has friends here and other players in the team have 
babies, which has made it very good for us. And then, yeah, now it's just like focusing on football. And luckily, Juliet's been so good about that. Now I can just focus on football. So, yeah. It's generally the one side of Atco Field is just all the kids, mm-hmm. all the players' kids running up and down. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 beautiful. You know, it's awesome. There's uh, Jose has his boy, and then obviously Mason last year. He's he's working hard now. He's got three. He's oh, Macy Mace, yeah, but. No, well, they had the twins, awesome. and then he got flown out for the game, like, immediately after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. This, I mean, that's what it does. You, you're, you're still a, a person as well as a footballer, you know, so things are going on in your life that you have to adapt to. So, um, yeah, him having the twins and then flying straight out to the game was, I mean, it's, yeah, it's awesome. It's cool to see, you know, it shows me that I, I can continue to have more, hopefully. And for people who haven't come down to ACO at Spruce Meadows, what would you tell them about coming to check out a Cavs game? I honestly, I, I think we have the best supporters in the league, and I think going there, the buzz the buzz about the ground, the buzz about everything to do with Cavalry, I, I was surprised at coming over from New Zealand. I couldn't believe how good it was, and I just think that should show the rest of Calgary as a city that there is definitely a buzz out there every Saturday. The game's on, the the flares are out, the whole place is rocking, you know, you can, it's so good for us, our home record in the league is unbelievable because of that, you know, you feel like you have an extra man, so I think it should be, it's very encouraging, and I think it should be exciting for people to come, because it's not like there's two people out there watching the game, there is 7,000, five to 7,000 people screaming, so that's, I really, every Saturday you get buzzed to go down there and play. When you're just out and about, do you hear a lot of people talking about cavalry or just Canadian soccer in general just coming off of the World Cup? Yeah, I think definitely, I was about to say, because of the World Cup, it's definitely increased a lot. You know, I think the um, the whole buzz in Canada, not even Calgary, but in Canada has increased. It shows, the boys show that they can play on the national stage and fight with teams like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's good and it's growing and it will continue to grow. The World Cup coming here in 2026 is going to be massive for this country also. So I think, um, yeah, the... F- in terms of soccer, I think it's growing at a very rapid pace, and it'll be so good for the league as well. The Canadian women have been stellar for so long. The men kind of just taking that next step, a lot of first to be had at the World Cup, but you've also had the chance to represent your country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've represented my national team six times, My the men's national team. I did the youth as well, but, yeah, it's a privilege. Every time you step on that pitch, everyone that has done that for their country and their respective sport will know that it's, it's a surreal feeling. What do you feel are the next steps for the the New Zealand program? I think I think as well as Canada, it's obviously Canada at the last World Cup we weren't, but I think in terms of the way that it's progressing back home is quite rapid. You know, like I said before, we've got players playing now at a very very good level. You know, you've got players like Chris Wood in the Premier League, and then you've got other players all around the world in top leagues. I think it's just going to continue to grow, and just like Canada, once we get the chance to hopefully one time qualify for the World Cup, it's gonna, we're going to have to show the world that as there is soccer, football in New Zealand, it's not just rugby. You guys have gone up to Red Deer to hold uh, weekend camps for kids. How much of uh, building soccer culture is just being able to connect with that next generation when, you know, like they're five to ten years old? Yeah, no, it's a big part, you know. You've got to pave the way for these kids. You've got to show them that there is there is a chance to be a professional athlete. You know, as I was once that five-year-old when people were coming and you – you're so excited and you're trying your best, you're running around the field, you know, it's such an important thing. And now obviously being a dad and seeing it from start, the very, very start, it's just like you have to, you have to, like I said, pave the whole the whole way for them and show them that there is, that this is an opportunity now and you can actually do it, you know. Yeah. All right, well, 
what time do you guys take off or what day do you take off for Vancouver? Like, what's the travel schedule like, actually? Yeah, we train tomorrow and then we fly in the morning on Wednesday and then train there and then we play Saturday. And then we have a day off and then day off and then... Oh, day off, sorry. I don't know if we have a day off. I have to ask the coach. But we have, um, yeah, two more two more days and we play again or three more days and we play again. So, yeah, it's very tight three games in one week. So everyone's got to be fit. Do you find when other teams come here, do you hear from them a lot about how uh, just where we are above sea level? Does that impact other teams or when they want to arrive? Yeah, I, I, I didn't hear from other other teams, you know, but Tommy, our coach, when, when I first came here and when we were playing against these teams, the, alt- the altitude, they say, yeah, that like it, it's definitely a thing, you know, it's definitely, especially when I came here it was, and you start running, it's, it's a lot harder for your body to adapt. But um, yeah, like Tommy said, coming here and, um, as a as another team, they have to adapt quickly, and it's not easy. So it definitely plays in our favor for sure. All right, let's get that uh, schedule thrown back up on the screen here, if we can. Taking a look there, yep, fifteenth Saturday, two p.m. That was the tie against Forge. Wow, I can't even see that far. April twenty third. There we go. That's our next one. Sunday, two o'clock start against Pacific at Starlight Stadium on the island. You can go down to Ship and Anchor to watch that with the rest of the Cavs faithful. Then the thirtieth. 3 o'clock, get down to Atco Field for that home opener against Valor FC. Meyer Bevan, thank you so much for taking the time to come in here. Hopefully we'll have you guys in more throughout the season, and good luck and go get us a championship. Yeah, let's let's do that this year. And, yeah, thank you so much for having me, and, yes, yeah, time to score some goals. Perfect. I think we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to try to get Danny Austin on the line down from the Saddle Dome. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. That was fun. We had a last-minute press conference with Wayne's GM. Oh, yeah? He's part of the the team. So we found out at, like, 10 a.m. And the other guy's like, I got to go down to the Dome and cover it for the newspaper. So try to get him in here. Old go, eh? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And this is literally my first time hosting this show, so. Really? You did well, yo. Thanks. I'm Cammy, I'm Maya. Nice to meet you. (laughs) I used to uh, live in Helensville. Oh, really? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? For how long? Uh, Just, like, a year. Did you like it? I loved it. If I couldn't live in Canada, I'd be back there so fast. Yeah, yeah. My uh, friends. Why'd you go? I I wanted to take a year off after school, and we had like family friends there, and one of them said like she's a florist, so she said like yeah, like come work for me, you can just crash and borrow my van. Dope. Where else did you go? Like all around? Oh, drove all around the North Island. Then uh, oh, we were in Queen South Island. I want to go back there, but yeah, yeah. Did you go to Piha? Yeah. <laughs> hey, thank you. Actually, I preferred it to Australia, so. Yeah, did you? Oh, yeah. No one says that, you know. No, did you go better. to Aussie? Where'd you go on Aussie? Yeah, uh, West Coast. Uh, landed in Sydney and, uh, yeah, rented a van again, drove up to Cairns, but. You did it properly, yeah. Yes, good. Drove a lot of time in Byron Bay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Left a couple brain cells in Byron Bay. <laughs> Even um, Bondi, though. Australians are insane, but I actually like. I was like, it was like Falling core backpacking. It wasn't like fun Instagram trip. Yeah, no, I feel. But I, I had like the good no, but that's pillow. The f- that's like how how it should be though. That yeah. if you want to do that kind of traveling, that's the best way to do it. You know? yeah. Instagram is it's fake. You know, people taking photos and videos of all their food and stuff. Mm-hmm. You'd rather do it how you do it, hundred percent. So yeah, how it should be seen. You know, oh, it was fun. Even like uh, I think our second night, uh, my friend and I won like this little. Uh, contest like you had to see how fast you could eat like dry wheat bix bars (laughs) 
in front of you like a big crowd. Yeah, well, the winners got a two for one skydive. We're like, yes, oh, <laughs> let's go. You did it, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Sick. Yeah. Amazing. In Aussie yeah. or? Oh, that was in, uh, that was in, it was just south of Boston. What do you call it? Dallas. No, it was in Rotorua. Oh, you did Rotorua? Yeah, Rotorua. Thanks. Smelled great. Yeah. Smelled great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Aussie's sick though as well. I do, uh, to be honest, I do like Aussie, but mm-hmm. the visit and all that. But the year to party party and all that. Oh, yeah, that was actually not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Good. Not too bad. Yeah. What did you survive? You're back here in one piece. Well, I was there with my friend, and he's like my brother. And it was like, we were sharing the van, and he was actually like, I wanted to hike and stuff. And he asked me once, he's like, if I, can I bring a girl back to the van? I was like, where am I going to sleep? Yeah, where do I go? He's like, there's a curtain, and you can just go in the front seat. I'm like, you know, if you can get a girl to agree to that, sure. Sure. Did he? No. (laughs) (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) All right, awesome. Thanks. I'm going to get Danny on the line here. Yeah, hopefully you don't get another cold snap. Yeah, maybe some Chinooks. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a good one. We've been able to get uh, linked up with Danny. I'm just trying to get Danny on. Yeah. Yeah, what do we got now? The the last forty five. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm also cotton mouthing pretty hard. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, I'm so dehydrated. Oh, you have water. Okay. Never leave home without it. Yeah. There's no way this presser is still going, right? No, it's done. Okay. We're just going to call him. They're going to be annoying. Hey, uh, you good to hop on Zoom? Awesome, thanks.
Are we able to come back on that uh, that clip of Dawn that you guys have posted on the Flames Nation Insta? Oh, um, I was going to see if we could play that clip on the of Maloney that you guys put on the Insta. Oh, I see. Or we can just come back on the two shot of me and Danny, and I'll just get right into it. Oh, I can't hear him. Oh, I didn't even know that was yeah. there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, sorry, Gavin, I didn't know that second chat was there. And is there an ad read script anywhere? No. All right. Back. Let's come back. Uh, I know I've said Oodle Noodle Studio yeah, three, three or so times. Okay, cool. Yeah. All good. All right. Welcome back to the Oodle Noodle Studio in Marta Loop. And uh, somewhere in the Saddle Dome, I'm Cami Kepke, joined by Danny Austin, the man who's been, uh, he's been pivoting hard today. Danny was supposed to be in studio hosting, and then the Brad for Living News comes down. Drops everything, makes sure he's at the Dome to ask the tough question. So, Danny, this is the news of the day, even though uh, NHL playoffs start tonight. Uh, first off, what were, uh, how do you gauge the uh, emotion in the room getting to talk to uh, Don Maloney and John Bean? I lost there, but I'm hoping I've got you back. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I'm sorry about this. I may go outside and walk over to my car so that we don't have problems. It cut out there. So we'll try one more time outside. Sorry. But I got to say, you were giving me credit for pivoting. Um, you are the one who was like joining me as co-host. There was, we had a whole sort of plan. And then I was like, hey, Cammy, you got two hours of live uh, podcasting and YouTubing without me and you have done an amazing job so thank you so much because like honestly um 
I, I can't believe you managed this. Dude, and shout out to Rob Kerr. I don't think either of us have ever hosted a podcast until Rob. He's like a dad shoving you in the deep end of a pool. He's like, I know you can do it. Go do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I feel really bad about having to bail, but unfortunately the actual job um, kind of had to be the priority today. What a day it has been, though. Um, I don't know if you've seen any of that press conference. It was wild. No, we haven't. So, yeah, like if, we, if you just want to start at the – Take it from the top. Like, what was kind of the emotional temperature of the room hearing from John and Don? Oh, it looks like we might be frozen again. We might force uh, Danny to uh, take a hike outside and try to find some better reception. Actually, like when uh, those those of us in the media who talk about like the need for a new building, a lot of it is actually the reception, the ability to go live from inside the building. Sometimes it gets tough. It gets tough. But Danny's going to be able to take us in to what we saw down at the Saddle Dome. It's been made clear that this was a Brad Living decision. He was offered the extension multiple times. He was wanted back. But ultimately, this was a choice that he had to make. And again, we're reiterating that. You know, Brad's been a tremendous person for us to deal with throughout his uh, nearly decade-long stint in our city. Uh, he did a lot for this organization. There's a lot you can criticize about any GM, but his depth drafting and development in particular for me was something that stands out from his time here. Being able to find the Andrew Mangiapanis, the Dustin Wolfs, I do think this team will turn around and be better next season. So it's a it's a shame that he won't be able to be here to see the fruits of that labor. But any smart team would be taking a look at Bradshaw living for a position next year. When Danny gets on after we talk about the presser, we're also going to talk about playoffs that start tonight. Who do the Calgary fans root for now? And it looks like Danny is out in sunny skies. He's good. Yeah, it's incredibly windy, and uh, I feel really terrible about how this is going. But uh, you should feel I do, bad. I'm kidding, I I'm do kidding, have kidding. full bars of LTE, so I feel a little more comfortable. I'm trying to get somewhere where it's not windy, but um, I'm good to go. I think that we're going to be fine here. You don't actually sound too windy as long as you can hear me. Okay, there's a motorcycle right there, which is good. Um, there's geese everywhere, so I'm hoping I don't get attacked. But let's do this. I think I am good to go here. All right. Third time's the charm. What was the emotional temperature in that room like as you got to talk to uh, John Bean and Don Maloney? I mean, I think it was very different from each guy, right? Um, Bean was a little bit more sort of, con- maybe not confrontational, but like adversarial, I would say. He, uh, he did not respond to questions necessarily the way I expected him to. Um, Certainly rejected any notion of a rebuild. Um, whereas Maloney was honestly like full marks to him. He admitted this was not that mutual a decision. As we, we I know that you were just sort of saying, um, he was very upset. He does not want the general manager's job. Like that could not be more clear. He is here to evaluate the organization and make it help them make the decision for the right guy going forward. But he's upset that his friend and his ultimately like sort of I guess business partner over the last number of years is no longer um going to be there so it was one of them was sort of adversarial the other one genuinely seemed just upset about the situation and quite sad that a working relationship that meant a lot to him um is not going to continue in that manner so it was uh 
it was interesting. I'll say that it was not necessarily what I was expecting. And if I'm perfectly honest with you, I didn't necessarily think that the two of them were particularly aligned in terms of their messaging, which was um, a little bit surprising given this is CSEC we're talking about. I mean, we obviously talk about the relationship between Don Maloney and Brad Living goes back to 07-08 with the then Phoenix Coyotes. Another guy they've been close with for a long time is uh, Craig Conroy. What Did we learn anything about what Craig's future looks like in this? Not really. Um, and I would actually say it was beyond not really. Um, I think that questions about the current staff were, were pretty much avoided. Um, we didn't get answers on... A, whether they are under contract beyond this year, and B, whether they are seriously being considered um, as general manager candidates. Um, It was said that Chris Snow will continue being part of the management group, which is obviously great to hear. Um, But they were asked directly, to be honest, about Conroy, um, about the sort of other sort of assistance there, and no clear answers were given uh, beyond they are under contract now. And to be honest, a pretty flat-out refusal to answer anything more. So, um, no. I mean, it, I, I hate to just give the actual answer. Like, I wish there was analysis there, but we didn't get much. As I'm saying, there was a fair bit of evasiveness today. Um, I didn't think that we got a ton of answer answers, uh, particularly from John Bean. You know, earlier today, uh, Rob hopped on for a couple of minutes, and I told him, like, maybe not in a letter format, but it's like, I think people deserve answers they deserve to know what the plan is going forward is it a retool do they think the window is still there what do you think fans can take away from this news and availability in terms of what the actual future of this franchise looks like i mean john bean said i am not allowed to use the word rebuild uh which i think tells you what you need to know um i I think that the my conclusion was that they are planning on running this back, you know, maybe a few tweaks here and there, but that they believe, and, and this is something that Brad said, but that this was a good team that underachieved. Um, and I, I do think that they want to run it back. If you get a slightly better year out of Jacob Markstrom, it's the things we've sort of been saying for the better part of two months right now. Um, I, I do genuinely, I mean, I think that they looked at it and they know that you can't deal Huberto's contract. You probably can't deal Cadre's contract, Like the actual path to being, a team that's getting the number one overall pick is incredibly difficult and probably not actually there. Um, so no, I, I, I don't expect there to be a, a rebuild this year. And I, I think that John Bean pushed back as hard as he pushed back on anything. He pushed back on that. He said, look, it is about timing. And it's about the assets that you have available to you. And this is not the time. He did acknowledge that they basically had to make a decision last summer when they were trading Matthew Kachuk, that they had a very good deal, which would have sort of been the rebuild deal. And then they had the deal that they took. Um, and he said that they did, you know, consider both options then, but that was then, this is now. Um, but it's also hard. Like, I mean, if, if we take Maloney at his word, what he is doing is currently he is going to evaluate everything that's with this team. Um, and I think that that will include the player personnel along with the coaching staff, which I'm sure we'll talk about Daryl um, in all of this. But um, I, I don't know. I think it's a little unfair for him of all people to be expected to have the answers to to that question right now. Um, but no, I do not think there will be any sort of like what we would characterize as a rebuild currently. Did we learn anything about a timeline? Because I mean, like they probably want to have this in place before we come up on one of the deepest drafts that we've seen in recent years. They didn't give us an answer. Um, I think that they said they want to get the, they said what you expect them to say, right? Like we want to get it. We want to get this right. Um, and that's, you know, they should want to get it right. And they shouldn't be saying, hey, we want this done in two weeks. And that's a drop 
drop dead date. I, I think that that would be crazy. Um, but we all know. I mean, they don't have to tell us. They there's not very long to make this decision. You want your GM in place, talking to the scouts, figuring out what you're going to do with the draft. Um, obviously, you you need to make a decision on that head coach, which the GM would, the new GM would probably want a, a decision on. And, and you have free agency. You have there, there's a million reasons why you want you always want your GM in place. So this is a process that's going to move fast. There's no question. Now, it may not be ten days fast. It may be three weeks, but um, Make no mistake, whether they say they want to get it right or not, they want to get it right quickly. Um, and I, I'd, I'd expect that to, to go. But they, again, this was so light on details today. I mean, we don't know if – and you wouldn't expect them to necessarily tell us this, but we don't know if they have sort of a list of three preferred candidates who they want to talk to or five or ten or if they're taking calls, which I can't imagine they're taking calls. I don't think that's how jobs on this level work. But, um, yeah, we have very few details. Beyond, we can use common sense and say that – the Calgary Flames don't want to be going into June without a general manager. I know uh, while we were uh, taking that little break to uh, get you on the line, I was able to look at a couple of the comments, and they did mention, you know, a season ago, Jacob Markstrom was second in Vezina voting. So there, and I do believe that, you know, you look back at some other big, like, blockbuster-style trades, you kind of got to give it at least two seasons to really see how things shake out. There are, I think, really good ingredients here still, but you know, you can still have the ingredients to a great omelet and still burn it or put in like way too much salt. So like it's all about deployment sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I'm, to be honest, like I'm a believer that there are certain things that would force me. Look, look, if you know that Elias Lindholm is not resigning, if you, if you pretty much know that, and I think most of us believe that, but if you are that new GM, you don't have any choice but to trade him this offseason, right? At that point, you're trading your first-line center. You've lost your entire first line um, in basically one calendar year. I'm not sure. Like, at that point, I think that maybe it becomes time to make that decision again. At that point, maybe you want some young assets in. Like, I don't think that this team has three years right now. I think it has to be – they have to show considerable improvement next year. Michael Backlund, the longest-serving flame, told us on Friday that he wasn't sure he wanted to resign here because he wants to win a Stanley Cup. That tells you all you need to know. If you're in that place, you can't just continue to you know run it back while giving up your assets every year. So I, I don't think that uh, a retool or, or even, to be honest, a rebuild should be off the table. But I, I fully agree. I mean, we saw with Mackenzie Weger, people, myself included, in December thought, oh, well, maybe this guy wasn't as good as we thought he was. And then he was really, really good in the second half. Um, you know, Rasmus Anderson continues to impress me, especially knowing what we do about sort of the pain he was in from getting hit by the truck um, in the back half of the year. So there's there's obviously, and I think you'd be crazy if Jacob Markstrom was the the same goalie he was last year, this year, this team's in the playoffs. Like, I don't, like, it's not that controversial. I mean, um, they lost all those one-goal games. If their goalie was slightly better, they would have won some of them. So, yeah, of course, I think they're running it back. Um it, it, it's probably the right move. I just think that you may have to consider if Tyler Toffoli says, hey, I want to go to free agency, you can't lose those guys for nothing. So you may actually have to deal some of your assets and some of your players this summer, which would force your hand. And it's not all on Markstrom. I think like that that argument's like applicable to like almost every guy on the team. Like if this person was 10% better, if this person was 10% better, honestly, you're in. But uh, I guess so like it sounds like from what you're telling me about the conference, light on details, but it's almost like what wasn't said that was a bit telling or the tone that was telling. What else did you take away from it? I mean, 
I, I, Wes, my colleague with, with the Herald, said, asked directly, is, is Daryl Sutter the head coach here next year? And, um, and Maloney said, I'm evaluating everything. Um, and I think that that's very telling. Um, you know, I, certainly, I don't think from management we've ever had an indication that Daryl was in any sort of danger of losing the job. And I don't know that we necessarily got that. But we also didn't get a full-on vote of confidence um, publicly, and I think that that is significant. Um, now, that might have been the answer for every single employee of CSEC if he, they'd been asked, right? I mean, it, it doesn't actually tell us anything, but we're in media. We're doing a podcast. We're in the game of speculating, and I do think that it indicates that you can't – right now, it's not 100% that Sutter's back. Um, that evaluation will happen, and we'll see how it goes. And I, I just think it was very, very clear that – the higher levels of management at the Calgary Flames were extremely disappointed with how this this went going, the, the, the season went, um, that it was not acceptable, and that this sort of roller coaster of one season on, one season off, well, they're spending a lot of money, they have a lot of veteran players, they want to know why this happened, and I, I, I honestly don't put it on Markstrom. He's just the, the goalie's the easiest person to say, hey, if you were 10% better, here's how many more saves, there's one goal game. It's, just, it's the easiest sort of picture to paint um but yeah they're deeply unsatisfied and i think that that will that is this evaluation if they are serious about this and they are really really serious about figuring out what has haunted this organization sort of all these years of missing the playoffs and going out on the first round i think that there's you know work that does need to be done and and some stones that need to be what's the opposite of unturned turned i guess um turned over and they need to figure out what's wrong because there was a negativity that came with all the losing this year. Um, and there was a level of frustration from management right down. And I asked the question. I didn't get the answer that I was hoping for, but I asked John Bean. And I'm sorry, like, I don't know if this is how fans feel, but, like, in the last calendar year, you lost your two-star players and your general manager. All of them didn't want to be here. I don't know if that is a reflection on Calgary. I don't know if that is a reflection on the Flames organization. I don't know if that is a reflection on the Saddle Dome. You know, it could be any number of things, but you you kind of got to figure that one out. That's not happening to every team around the league right now. It's just not. We're not like we're not seeing that. So I think it's like that is a really, really big and important question that that needs to be sorted out. Because um, you know, Gaudreau left for less money. Brad left without another job. What's going on here? Right. That, that needs to. That, that's a real question that needs to be figured out. Well, to your earlier point about Wes's question about whether, you know, Daryl is the guy with his two-year extension, kind of what we've said all year is that he is the unstoppable force where Kadri and Huberto's contracts are the immovable objects. But, you know, we have seen before, like, if Murray does need to move on to a coach, they don't typically go to a very highly paid one. Even with GMs, they tend to go for guys who are maybe on the cheaper end of the spectrum of the people who have experience or are ready to step into those jobs but if you're looking just at coaches we have a guy in the saddle dome who's getting ready for some playoff hockey who just won the coach of the year award and is also known for being a bit of a hard-nosed coach who does know and has gotten the most out of some of these young players who are ready to take that next step it's interesting i mean i and i've always sort of to be honest i've rolled my eyes a little bit at the mitch love um argument i just don't think that like with a group that has had this much go wrong, that there just does seem to be some politicking and, and what have you, and that there was all this frustration. It seems like bringing in, you want to bring in a guy with some experience. Um, 
that really hasn't worked out for the Flames. So, like, I, I honestly perfectly see your argument. Um, I ultimately, I mean, Mitch Love is what that's back to back AHL coaches of the year, back to back, and then we have Dustin Wolf with back to back goalie of the year. Yeah, so. Um, I mean, he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere in the NHL at this point. I mean, it's pretty clear that he he knows what he's doing. And um, that talent for for bringing up the best in these young players is might be exactly what the Flames need. Right. So it's it's something that I sort of I mean, it's there has to be so much that happens before that moment. Right. You have to make a decision on Daryl. All of that. My God, it is windy right now. Um, I really hope that the audio isn't terrible because it is so windy. I'm just standing next to my Toyota Corolla in a parking lot. Just uh, an amazing background right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I look. That's that's an interesting one. Uh, I think Mitch Love's again. I think he's an amazing coach and going to get a job somewhere. It's just a matter of if you are at this point in your sort of development cycle and you believe that you're supposed to be contending for a cup, whatever the evidence tells us about how realistic that is or not. I don't know that you're necessarily going with the sort of unproven coach at the NHL level at this point, but we'll see. It's just tough because like it hasn't been the best vibes in the room this year. Granted, I wasn't there for post every single game, but when I was there, like, you know, there's like some added zip in the room when you had some of those young guys that particularly Peltier and Dewar. Those guys yeah, are just I, lightning rods in that room. You could hear them, even uh, Dustin Wolf's availability. You had uh, you couldn't see him on the cameras, but Peltier is like just off to the side, grinning like a hyena, watching the whole thing go down, and giving him that huge hug after the game. Like they did, they brought some life to this team when those could have been some of the most depressing games of the season. A hundred percent. And like, let's be real, Daryl, to his credit talked about how much he liked having those guys around for exactly that reason right like as much as daryl is sort of painted as the anti-young guy coach by some i mean he he was very open about just how what a positive it was having that youth having that energy um and and i i take him out as a word there but i mean i think that the thing is with this flames team is with huberto's contract kicking in with, with all of this i mean one way or another next year we're gonna see more of the young players like there's not gonna be any option um those are the guys that they need to step up and, you know, they need to be honest. I mean, I, I'd argue that it's sort of inevitable that they're going to be more productive than some of what you got from some of the veteran guys um, this year. And I think that Walker Dewar was one of the good news stories of the year. I can't wait to see what that guy does uh, with a full season, obviously Peltier. Um, people seem to think Coronado is going like going to be in the AHL next year. Um I guess we'll wait and see on that. My impression was always that he was sort of viewed as a guy who might be able to contribute pretty quickly here. I think um, he had some good sniffs around the net in that yeah, game. I, mean, he, I know. It must be you so frustrating. Too, you know, even Matthew Phillips, like in the lost season when Matty P made his NHL debut, like he was close. He could have had a first goal in that game. A hundred percent. Matthew Phillips, future Arizona Coyote. What do we think? I don't know if we need to, until the playoffs are done for the Wranglers, we don't need to speculate on that. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I, and that's my thing is that I honestly do believe like Adam Ozyska, all of these guys, they're just going to need them to play, right? I mean, the Lucic spot is open. There's at least one extra there. Um, and again, I just don't know. It's the thing that I can't get over is I am just a believer that this team cannot afford to lose the likes of Toffoli and Lindholm for nothing. And I, I saw a comment being like, well, you keep those guys around for the start of the season and, you know, if things don't go well, you, you deal them. And that's fair. But I also think that at the draft or, you know, in the next couple months, if, if there's a good deal out there and you are really convinced that they're not there, I think you take it. Absolutely. Elias Lindholm's deal 
If you feel like you're that one piece away from truly being a contender ahead of this draft, come on. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But, I mean, I fully do agree with you. Like, And I think it's kind of going to be one of the fun things about next year is that we should see more of those guys really getting to break in. Um, I just I can't imagine that the new GM is going to come in and sign a bunch of guys in there early to mid thirties. That just doesn't seem like the path forward for this team. Um, unless again, I mean, this is the thing they really do think that if they really think that they're a contender, um, we're right back there. Then I, I guess you run it back and you try to sign pieces. But I, I, I saw enough from Peltier. Well, I don't think his numbers were great. I, I liked the energy they brought both to the ice and to the locker room. As you said, that I think he's got to be an everyday full-time player. I think it NHL was a part season. of the reason that we saw Backlund have a career year. You could just see like, this whole other emotional step to his game, seeing those kids step in and succeed. And I know people kept on, there were some games where they said, all right, well, who's the emotional leader? We don't see anyone trying to fire people up. I don't know from that press box, you could see Michael Backlund going for it, like pulling players together in a little circle, giving them the slap on the back and really just trying to get those juices flowing. And I do think like, you know, Backlund's resurgence and those young guys coming in it like it kind of goes hand in hand and to the point about the change that was something that Brad brought up at the trade deadline too much change isn't going to fix it <laughs> they went through no. a lot of change last summer this team has had a lot of change and to be honest it's why I think that today likely does feel like a little bit of a gut punch both for people in the organization and I'm sure fans they're just there has been I mean like you go back you know, to the Dougie Hamilton trade. Like, there's just been so much change in this team year over year over year. Um, and, I mean, you know, I did a piece today where I basically tried to break down. I was like, look, the draft stuff, as you said, particularly, like, I mean, after the first round, Brad Tree Living, I think, is a great, is a, like, it has a great draft record. First round's a little bit more iffy, particularly because they gave Alabaki up for nothing. Um, but, you know, his, his later rounds and, and second round on are, are, are quite impressive. I think he did pretty well on most of the big trades. Um, even if you hold him accountable for signing James Neal, Luch was a more, had more utility than, than Neal did. Um, obviously, like, look, Huberto didn't have a great year, but I, I still like what they got back for Kachuk there in a, in a sort of no-win situation. I think that they did their best. Um, you know, I think getting Lindholm and Hannafin back for um, – Dougie Hamilton, Furland, and an Adam Fox who was never going to sign there again. I like their trade. I think the coaching situation, you look at sort of what, five head coaches in nine years. Well, one of them was inherited. Um, clearly, there was more due diligence probably required on the Bill Peters signing, but, you know, that wasn't like they fired him. Uh, Jeff Ward was a nice guy, didn't seem like a great coach, but like that's, you know, you, you probably don't like five head coaches in nine years. That doesn't look great. Um, and then, but for me, it's like you just get down to the brass tacks and, you do all of that, you add all that up, and then you say, like, all right, well, where's the playoff success? And I think Brad Tree Living has done a very good job in general. I think he's a great guy. I think, like, he was a credit to the organization, a great leader. But the fact is, I mean, the goal here is to win the Stanley Cup, and this team hasn't come close um, during this tenure. So um, that is sort of one of the things that I don't know if I'm supposed to be saying, but, like, I think it's very sad and it's a gut punch. But hopefully you're putting someone in place for the next nine years who – and get them over that hump. It's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. This is there's only one reason we're all showing up here, 82 games a year. It's to get into the playoffs and then to make a run at the cup. And um, you know, no one wants to say anything about bad about Brad, and I'm not trying to say anything either. But the reality is, they didn't come close. Yeah. Well, I mean, he also can't hop onto the ice and like operate a player's limbs for them. But like, it's totally sure. true. I think it's so true about uh, some of the depth drafting. Like, even you look at 
trade day or trade deadline day deals are tough. Those are tough. Kelly Yarncook was a miss, sure. Troy Stetcher panned out great. And I look at even uh, trading Sven Berchi, trading just some picks on those days. That was how they got Rasmus Anderson and Dylan Dubé, by getting those tough, tough time of year trades done. You get the picks, not in the first round, but you make them work. And we've been talking a lot about playoffs. We do still have Wranglers coming up. Mitch Love, Dustin Wolf, both going back-to-back, top of their category. Matthew Phillips, all-star season. Once again, they've got a bye for the first week. They await their opponent in a best-of-five at the Saddle Dome. But NHL playoffs officially get going tonight. Danny, mm-hmm. who do Calgary fans cheer for now? <laughs> I mean... Who is your? I don't. Obviously not Edmonton. Do you? You, see, you don't subscribe to the like. At least they're from Canada. At least Connor McDavid no, might win something. No, because I grew up in Toronto, so every single person is going to be like, "Never the Leafs, never the Leafs." So like, so no. And I, to be clear, I'm not saying I'm a Leafs fan. I'm just saying like, it's no. Every once in a while, like, when was the last Canadian team that really all of Canada got in on? Like, was it the? 04 it should have been 2011, and you were all wrong for not supporting the Canucks. <laughs> I will never support the Canucks. Um, <laughs> it's the most annoying fan base in the country. Um, you're from Toronto. Are they getting out of the first round? Are they getting yes. out of the first round just to get dusted by Boston? A, I think that this is the year that they get out of the first round, and yes, I think they got beat by Boston in the second round. Um, that Tampa team looks like they've gone to three straight Stanley Cup finals right like i i don't know i think this play this leaf seems pretty good i think they've matured to the point where they should get by but also like i got Petrato, so i know everything that i'm saying like just run this clip back in three weeks and make me look like an idiot because they're definitely going to lose in the first round i have absolutely no confidence but i'm going to express that i think i do like on an objective level think that it's them so okay let's go through the series who would i be cheering for okay well, how about i just i'll toss you some questions do okay, you support matthew Boston. kachuk do you support matthew kachuk and the florida panthers the big underdogs Yes. I think you have to. Again, nothing's changed for me when it comes to Matthew Kachuk. I still think, like, he did it the right way as far as leaving here. He told them. He gave them a chance to get things in return. What more can you ask for? Um, yes, I would support Matthew Kachuk. I think I mean, he's had an amazing season. I think he was a great Calgary Flame. I, as a Calgarian, don't hold anything against him. So I would say absolutely. I think that, yeah, yes, you should support Matthew Kachuk. All right, uh, we got a question in the chat here. What number is Matthew Phillips? 11 on the Wranglers. I believe 47? 47 on the Flames when he was up, Danny, I think. Flat out, don't know. Something like that. 47, I think. All right, so Colorado. Kale McCarr uh, could be back. He missed the last seven games with the lower body injury. Saw his dad on Friday, said he's healing up pretty nicely, but uh, they are without Gabriel Landeskog for playoffs. How do you like Colorado as a repeat? I think repeating is hard. Um, at the same time, like I've seen Colorado live enough to know that when like they are on, they they do think. I mean, Nathan McKinnon's so good, um, and like I don't know that I have seen like Connor McDavid is obviously incredible, but like the 2019 playoffs when they beat Calgary four one is I think that's the best I've ever seen a player play live, Nathan McKinnon. So um, there's yeah, there's a big part of me that but thinks that they can repeat. Uh, I also think, like, I don't know, there's some good teams out there this year. I don't know that the West is necessarily at the higher end. If I'm Colorado, I'd, I'd feel like I could win every series. Um, but, like, Boston's waiting for everybody, Gary. Like, Boston's really good. I mean, okay, so 63 wins. 
the last two teams to uh, that they surpassed to get the record, I believe the 90, 95, 96 Red Wings and 2019 Lightning, they both had 62. They didn't win. Okay. They didn't win. I'll give so, – okay. They might not have I'll Patrice put, Bergeron. Well, I, what I was going to say was like, okay, first of all, there is no one like I am anyone but Boston at all times in every sport. Like, I hate the Pats, I hate the Celtics, I hate the Red Sox, and I hate the Bruins. I don't know what their MLS team is called, but like, I probably hate them too. I just don't like Boston. Um, don't like the city, don't like the sports fans, don't like the, the teams themselves, never liked the athletes. Um, other than Big Poppy, I kind of like Big Poppy. I'm waiting for so- Milan Lucic to run you over on the way out of the Dome. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, uh, the only reason that I, the only time I've ever liked Boston was when they were beating the Canucks. I'll say that. Um, but like the best possible end of the NHL season is Patrice Bergeron lifting the cup and then retiring. Right. I mean, like that's the ultimate fairy tale for the entire NHL right now. Right. Shan't agree on that. Okay. What's your, what's your better fairy tale? Because we're not going to say, yeah, I don't want Edmonton to win. Yeah. Yeah, no. Okay. Well, Connor McDavid finally breaking through would be pretty fairy tale. Seattle being the upset darlings capturing lightning in a bottle a la the Habs a couple years ago. Any Canadian team winning. First one since 1993. Above Patrice Bergeron, one of like the great gentlemen of the game going out on top. He's already you got have, one. He's already got have, one. It's not Ray Bork. He's already got one. It's still Patrice Bergeron. He's already got one. After all, he's, after all he's meant to Boston, this team being the best team in the league from start to finish, him sort of being the, the connective tissue between that 2011 win and this. I mean, I, In I the just, last dance-ish to... sense, maybe. But again, he got his. Okay. Connor McDavid will get his eventually. So I don't, I'm not like worried. Will it be in Edmonton anything. though? Next question. Do you have an upset pick for the first round? Do I have an upset pick? Um, I know I got one. Who's yours? I think Winnipeg could take down Vegas. Okay. I mean, it's weird because they're. Bye, Julian. I'm on the radio. Um, Julian. Bye, Julian. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel that there were just some bad vibes coming out of Winnipeg the last month or two, right? So I don't fully know. Um, I mean, again, I'm standing outside. Read me the matchups in the West. If you have them. To the West. Yeah, we got Vegas versus Winnipeg, Edmonton versus LA, Colorado, Seattle, and Dallas, Minnesota. I can't really bring myself to give a, to care too much about Dallas and Minnesota. No, I mean, it has potential to be an interesting series. Matt Tumba's a local boy. I mean, we did see playoff Jake Ottinger last year, so, like, I'd be curious. I I don't think that's an upset, necessarily, but, like, I'm curious as to how far Dallas can go. Um, If he gets hot, I think that they can surprise anybody. Um, I don't know. It feels like L.A. Edmonton, like, that's a bit of a toss-up for me, right? That's going to be a fun series. Like, that was a barn burner last year. Yeah. So, no, I mean... I guess I like, I mean, I, I, I don't view the Golden Knights as being, you know, unbeatable by any means. My whole thing is just like. Who's your goalie? Yeah, you just need a goalie to get hot, and I would. 
pick Connor Hell about getting hot over Aiden Hill. Or, pardon me, is Laurent Brassois starting? Yeah, it's just it's just Winnipeg. That team just rubs me the wrong way. I can't bring myself to do it. I don't want them to be happy. Oh, I, I already I already have Winnipeg to deal with needs the something nice. I have to deal with the Bombers as if they haven't had something nice. <laughs> I know that. it's not the same, but I've like still Winnipeg's had a little bit of sporting success. Recently. I feel bad for them because I feel like they are also. I feel almost like the Jets of last year are like the Flames of this year. Okay. And I just need the Flames next season to not do what the Jets are doing now. Fair. I mean, if that includes, like, apparently being mean to the nicest man I've ever met, Enric Bonus. Um, Bones is a very is, nice man. I know. So, um, I don't know. I just, yeah. I, I will hear you on the Winnipeg one. Um, Come on, little Josh Norrissey. More local flavor? I know, speaking of which, I have to do my NHL awards voting after this. Please do not ask me who I'm voting for because I've like made up, I've done my work, but I haven't, I haven't made any final decisions yet. Can you go do some uh, quarter flips when you get home? It's not quarter flips. I just have to do a little bit more like final research before I make my decisions. Um, but I am going Carlson as top defenseman. I don't end up you know, I wasn't so sure about it. Then when the Sharks were here, he had a, he walked the offensive zone, broke Jacob Helchier's ankles and pride, and then somehow they managed to break up uh, his pass, and he went right back down the other way and made a great defensive play to break up a Flames two-on-one. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he can do both. Yeah, yeah, not just offense. I also do think that, like, we're in a time where we're asking defensemen to contribute more to the offense. We're asking them to jump in and get more involved in doing all that. So... When a guy does it and everyone's like, oh, well, it's just points. It's like, well, it's actually a pretty big part of the job right now. Like, it's part of what we're asking lead defensemen to do on a night-to-night basis. And I'm not saying that people are holding it against him. But I do think, like, the points are a major factor, especially on that team. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think he had an amazing season and he's, he's earned it. Well, it's kind of always been his MO, too, right? Yeah. Really defense, defense was never uh, the most sparkling aspect of his game. No, but at the same time, like, the reason why he is who he is is because he's really, really good at a part of the game. And I just don't – I don't want to see that be held against him. And I feel like on some level people use the points and they kind of use it as like, oh, well, you know, you're, you only do this. And it's like, well, even if he only does that, he's better at it than everyone else. This is your first season doing the NHL awards voting, right? Yeah. How do you compare your process to uh, when you were doing your CFL ballot? I mean, my CFL ballot by that point in the season, I'm just fighting with everybody um, every year. Um, I, I find the CFL to be a lot easier, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I think that when there's only four games a week, um, it's really easier to watch and have a better read on everybody. Like, And there are certainly times when I am going to sort of pick between my second and third defenseman where I'm like, well, you know, there were 82 games this season, and how many times did I actually watch these guys, you know, and really, like, dig in and evaluate? And it's probably less than I would like. So, um, especially, like, as, you know, this is technically my third season, but you could argue it was my first sort of full season, and even then. So, you know, you, you want to make... in person. Like, we, we both did a lot of Zoom with these guys. Yeah, well, I did I did the COVID season in full, and I, I guess. And then 2019, I did from December to the end of the season. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I just find with CFL, like I know with CFL, I have, I have a very good read. And with the NHL, I, there's a little bit of guilt there that I don't, you know, it's impossible to watch every game. So 
you always feel like there's something that you're missing just a little bit. Even like with the start times, I remember like living in New Brunswick. Oh, I think it was 2017. It was the Ducks and the Oilers. It went to double OT. And I think it was done at like two in the morning. And all I wanted was Western Conference hockey. And I was a sorry, sorry little shit going into work at 9 a.m. the next day with my three hours of sleep. And I was cheering for the Ducks. They had like and they had like a three-goal lead with like five minutes left. And Edmonton tied it and won it in do- double overtime. But yeah, it's so like just on a tangent. But it's tough to catch every game when there's just so many. And the I mean, you are literally so like physically can't, right? No. Like you physically can't capture every game. Um, so, so yeah, so I don't know, but it's ultimately like you talk to people, you, you do all the work, right? Like that's the thing. And I think that like anyone who does it lazy, I don't have a ton of time for because I think it is important to these players and, um, that's both whether that's CFL or NHL, that's true. So we see with like the Grammys and the Oscars too, right? Like some of the voters admit that they haven't seen the movies they voted for. Yeah. Which is then don't vote, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I trust that don't you're doing vote, your due Danny diligence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll see. I do have to do that, and I have to write my second flame story. I got a lot of work to do today. This you got a lot. This I'm going to hit you with a couple you, more, but... though. I'm going to hit you with a couple more, though, still. Okay. We haven't really talked about the East. All right, we think that uh, Toronto's going to get out of the first round. I think I Boston's going. Uh, Carolina and the Islanders. Thoughts, I like Carolina there. Concerns? I like Carolina there, don't you? Are we still... I like Carolina. Uh, Carolina has been my Eastern pick for a, a couple of years now, but now uh, we got some injuries. I'm just not so sure about it. It's like yeah. things have gotten a little shaky at the worst possible time. And what do the Islanders have to lose? That's fair. And the Islanders are kind of fun. Yeah, um, and it looks like Mar- Mark Garzell is going to be good to go. Yeah, I just, Daryl talks, and I like, I often think Daryl doesn't get enough credit for when he does say things that are insightful, but he often talks about how teams need a couple of years in the playoffs to really, like, gain that experience. And it feels like Carolina's sort of gotten that at this point, right? So, um, yeah, I think I, I like I like the Canes there. And the team that issued the letter using the R word five years ago, the New York Rangers... Up against okay. the upstart Devils with Jack Hughes and all those fun young kids. What do you think there? I mean, first of all, I just think it's good for the league that you have a New York versus New Jersey series, honestly. Um, I know that, like, we don't necessarily care about that, but I, I think it's kind of awesome. Um, hopefully get some heat going. Um, look, I like the Rangers, man. I, I think they've done a lot of nice moves, and um, I, mean, I like the Devils, too. That's a, that actually should be a really fun series. Um, but I'll take the Rangers there. Interesting, interesting. All right. I think the one we haven't touched on is Colorado and the team making their uh, NHL playoff debut. Little Seattle Kraken. Spicy little crowd at uh, Climate Pledge Arena for games three and four. That could be fun. I have been at that arena. It is a great atmosphere, and I love it. With that said, I I honestly like this Colorado team is just built for the playoffs, um, and they've proven they can do it. So I'd go Colorado in maximum five. Maximum five. Yeah. That might be the group that comes back to bite you. Well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. Don't clip it. But, um, yeah, I I just honestly, like, that. I can't get that 2019 series out of my head. I know it's been a long time. But, like, I just saw what Nathan McKinnon can do in the playoffs. It terrifies me. I've never seen anything like it. So I'll almost always pick Colorado for that reason. Fair. And I think, like, 2019 was so... 
I mean, it was just such an emphatic win for the Avalanche. You don't even look back at it as a Flames failure necessarily. It's like, oh no, this was just the emergence of a powerhouse that'll be around for years to come. Like, I don't even yeah. think you look back and fault the Flames on it so much. It's just like, oh, well, it was the Avalanche. You, you weren't stopping them at that point. You don't, but it was also like, for me, it was probably the first time where, you know, we'd watched this Flames team kind of rise. We saw these young pieces. And I came out of that series being like, I don't know that as they're currently built, they're ever going to get to the point where they can stop what I just saw from McKinnon and the Avalanche. So um, I do think it was like a significant series in their history, but um, I mean, Kale McCarr made his NHL debut in that series. Like that's insane. And had an immediate impact. Yeah. Kale McCarr is really good at hockey. (laughs) That is for sure. But yeah, um, I will honestly like, it's hard for me to pick anyone other than Colorado coming out of the West. It's just, that's not a particularly like that's kind of a boring pick um and they need to be you know they need all their all their pieces going and healthy so hopefully that happens all right well it looks like we've gotten through uh most of the things we had on the agenda today any final thoughts that you want to leave people with danny not really i just honestly i said it when i started and i was probably only like half coming through but um Man, you stepped up in a big way today, Cammie, and I, I want people to know that because it was supposed to be the two of us for the full two hours. I was supposed to be in that chair. Um, we had a whole plan, and then it completely got turned upside down with very, very little time. Um, and obviously, we'd done a little bit of prep work, so you weren't completely blind. But it's not easy stepping into that chair for, for two hours uh, and, and hosting uh, on your own. And I, just, I think you killed it, and I'm so grateful that you uh, – bailed me out here uh you're a great friend and you're amazing at this so thank you hush hush (laughs) no i think you did all the hard work today actually yeah a huge shout out to rob kerr for letting us uh take the reins today huge shout out to the sponsors oodle noodle studio here ski seller snowboard big shout out to nick lewis stamps receivers coach hall of famer and meyer bevan of cavalry fc for joining us on the show today rob has some more great guests lined up for the weekend I guess that'll do her, Danny. I didn't think of anything to say goodbye. I guess we'll catch you all next time, and thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, Cammie. Thanks, everyone. I don't know if I hang up here or what. Yeah, you know what? Signing off.